and words of encouragement. It's always a good thing to hear in and to just receive from the Lord because I believe that these words are inspired, these testimonies are inspired. Um, and when we think about them and consider them and really meditate on them, they're really showing that God is working. God is working in us. He's working around us. He's working in our church. Um, even, you know, in our homes, uh, when we leave this place, he is working. So thank you so much for those who came up front and, and blessed us. Uh, may the Lord bless you. Amen. So um, for those who don't know me, I, I think there were a few new people in. My name is Monica. Uh, I am one of the leaders in this church. And I want to start off by uh, just wishing you a blessed and prosperous new year. It's the first time we've met in 2024. I know some of you feel as if you've already gone through half the year, <laughs> but um, we are, we're just a week old. Um, and uh, we hope you've had a good start. Uh, for those who haven't, I know there's some people who've had some challenges already, but stand strong. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. So one of the major things that happens during this time of year, the beginning of the year, is people make New Year resolutions. Okay, we all want the year to go well. Uh, we want to accomplish things. So we set New Year resolutions. I don't know if anybody's done that as yet. Um, can we share? Is there, is there you know, some New Year resolutions that you've made um, that you can just shout out? We don't, we don't need the full list, just one or two examples. Okay, some are still thinking. <laughs> Yes. One of them, I've uh, shifted my, my, my score to someone else from the city because the rent is too high and economically things are not working out. Okay. So your new resolution is to work in a different location? No, not a different location, but shifting my stores. Okay, the stores are moving to a different location. Okay, thank you. Okay, all right. Okay, so working on reducing rent or working on, on reducing your your expenditures, yes? Yes, exactly. So going deeper into the word of the Lord, that's a, it's, a, it's a good resolution. Um, anybody starting a new job this year? Okay, so there you are. Okay, so you've got new jobs that are, are kick-starting this year. Anybody completing a course this year? There you are, okay, the people who are completing courses, okay. Um, anybody getting married this year? Not yet. <laughs> anybody planning to spend more time with the family? Okay. <laughs> anybody planning to exercise more? Hey, okay, okay, so we are together, okay, then we were, we were forming a good group. At the end of December, let's talk. <laughs> Okay, so, so there's, you know, you might not necessarily write them down, but there are certain things that I think you have on your heart and you're just thinking of, you know, I need to put more emphasis or more strength into this coming year on this area. So some of these resolutions are individual goals, you know, they're personal, they're private, obviously, and some of them are family goals, you know, there's certain things that you want for your family, you want um, uh, certain people in your family to succeed in a certain area, so maybe you're praying into that. Um, either way, we have ideas, we have thoughts about what's coming in this 2024, or what we would like to come in 2024. Now, 
As we think about this, and like I said, some of them may be formal, some of them may be informal. As we think about these New Year resolutions and what we want for this year, um, it is important for us as believers to hear from God. I think we all agree on that. What are his priorities for us for this coming year, 2024? And God's desire has always, always been to be involved in our lives. But his, his involvement in our lives is not automatic. It, it doesn't just happen. We have to be very, very deliberate in seeking him. We have to really set our hearts on going after him. We have to seek him with all our hearts. Uh, and when we do that, he will be found, he will reveal himself to us as the year progresses. Um, and not just that, but really things will fall in place. Things will fall in place. And Jesus actually said that, that, that when we seek the kingdom, uh, you know, very, very deliberately, these things will be added to us. So that's how I think that the, the Lord wants us to really view, as uh, think about and move forward in 2024. So with this in mind, I have titled this message, Set Your Heart to Seek the Lord. Set Your Heart to Seek the Lord. So I believe the Lord wants us to set our hearts to seek Him, not just in 2024, obviously, uh, but as a lifetime goal, set our hearts to seek the Lord. And the scriptures tell us to do this in many ways, uh, many, many times when you read through scripture. You'll see things like seek first the kingdom of God. Um, set your mind and heart to seek the Lord. That's in First Chronicles 22, 19, when David was talking to Solomon. Um, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. Keep your mind stayed on him from Isaiah 26, verse 3. Keep your mind stayed on him. And then the Bible also describes the lives of many, many men, men and women of God, people like Ezra and um, Jehoshaphat, as people who were godly and who prepared their hearts to seek the Lord. So obviously, this is very, very important to the Lord. Um, and if it's important to the Lord, I think it's also important to us. Yes, I think so. Okay, so what does it mean to really set our hearts to seek the Lord? Um, what do these words mean? It's, a, it's a, quite a number of words. Set your heart to seek the Lord. So, so just bear with me because we're going to go a little deeper into this um, and really see what the Lord is thinking and what he wants for us. There are three key words in this sentence. Set your heart to seek the Lord. The first key word is this word heart. The word heart. When the Bible is referring to the heart, it talks about that innermost part of us. Um, for a, for a non-believer, the heart is deceitful. You know, it, it is, it, 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 in, a, in a sense, it, it's programmed wrongly because it tells you that everything is fine, that you can manage yourself. Uh, that, that you, you don't need to really depend on God. You know, you can depend on yourself, you can depend on others. So, so there's a sense of deceit in, in, in a heart that is not really uh, uh, given to the Lord, an unbeliever's heart. So God cannot work with an unbeliever's heart, with, with this kind of heart. So literally, if you want to follow the Lord, the first thing to do is come to the Lord with a broken heart. You literally have to break that heart. You have to break that heart. And, um, you know, <clears throat> when you break it and you come to the Lord with a broken heart, the Lord gives you a new heart. And that's what happens with a believer. So the heart is that part of man that for, for a believer that really connects to God and is alive and responsive to God. Um, God sees us from the heart. 
not from the outward. We, we tend to concentrate a lot on the outward appearances. When you sit in a gathering like this, you've already kind of evaluated the people. If you're new here, you've, you know, you've done some analysis and some thoughts about the worship, the music, and so on, because we are very outward-based. But God looks at the heart. And our heart can reveal a lot about us. Our lives are actually shaped by our hearts. So by the time you speak, or you act, or react, you've already processed all that in your heart. Whether you know it or not, it has been in your heart. So the heart is very, very key to us. The other key word, when we talk about setting your heart to, 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 to seek the Lord, the other key word is this word, to set. To set. It means to establish or to fix something in a place so that it cannot move. To set the heart. It's like cement. I think some of you have seen cement while it's being, um, uh, it's being set. You mix it with water, and then you, you, you put it in a shape, the shape that you want it, and then over time it begins to solidify and harden, and it becomes so hard in this shape that it has been cast in. So this is what the idea behind setting, setting. Our hearts, our hearts are capable of being set into any shape. Our hearts can be set into any shape. Some of you may have encountered people whose hearts are already set, and maybe you are um, some of these individuals, maybe your heart is already set. For example, you've heard of someone with a troubled or anxious heart. Always troubled, always anxious. A fearful heart. There are people who are afraid of anything and everything. They're very fearful. That's a fearful heart. A hardened heart, one that is not sensitive to the things of God, hardened. A bitter heart. A complaining heart. Always complaining. You know, one time I was on a journey um, in a bus and I was seated next to someone. Um, and for three hours, this lady complained and complained. And she was very vocal about it. You know, she talked to the driver, yelled, actually yelled at the driver, You're driving too slow. Uh, when he speeds up, you're speeding too much. She complained about the food. She complained about the. By the time we finished, you know, when she left, the, when she got off, um, someone was like, <laughs> you know, so, so, so someone with a heart that really just finds, it's just centered on complaining. Um, but there are also hearts that are set in positive ways. I think some of you have met people with joyful hearts. Uh, it, it's always a pleasure to be in the presence of somebody who has a joyful heart. The Bible says it's like good medicine. It's like good medicine. Eh? A pure heart, a pure heart, one that is really oriented around the things of God uh, and seeks to follow God. Such a heart is really blessed because it sees God. So that's what Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart because they shall see God. So these are examples of shapes of hearts. Um, so, so what is your heart set into? What are the dominant things that, you know, what are the things that dominate your heart? It's something worth evaluating. So set your heart to seek the Lord. This is the, 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 seek is the, the other key word, seek. Seek means to go after persistently and consistently. So when we set our hearts to seek the Lord, it means we are going after him consistently and persistently, searching for him, inquiring of him with the intent of finding him and following him. So if you put all this together, and sorry I had to go really deep, but, but it's good for us to get the understanding. Um, if you put all this together, um, when, when, when you and I set our hearts to seek the Lord, it means we fix our hearts, our inner man, to go after the Lord wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly, to know him, uh, to know him, to, to, to have our lives shaped by him. 
Um, I came across a blog site when I was really looking into this, and, and, I and I found this definition very interesting. It says, when you set your heart to seek the Lord, it means you invite him and his input and his influence into your life. It involves knowing God's will, his words, his ways in all areas of our lives, whether it's spiritual, physical, mental, um, social, relational, professional, moral, every area of our lives, we actually involve God. So seeking God mean, means really you're bringing yourself closer and closer to him. It is not a one-time thing, obviously. It is a continuous thing. You grow into this. So the Bible often reveals the hearts of man. Um, and, and this is kind of obvious because the Bible is written by the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is God and he's interested in the hearts of man. So many times you will see the hearts of men revealed in the Bible, sometimes directly, sometimes indirectly. Take, for example, the disciples. Um, one evening, Jesus made his disciples get on a boat to go to Bethsaida. It was across the lake. Now, they didn't want to go, actually. And uh, he had to really persuade them. It says he really constrained them. The reason they didn't want to go is because there was a storm coming up. And these guys were experienced fishermen, and, and experienced fishermen tend to know, you know, they, they can tell the weather. You know, they can tell it's a good time to go out there, and there's a time, this is a good time not to go out there. So using their rationale, they were like, we really don't want to go. Uh, so Jesus had to really constrain them um, and persuade them to go. Um, he himself did not get on the boat. Actually, he went on a mountain to pray. So these guys were more or less on their own. Now, in the night, because this happened in the evening, so they were crossing literally in the night. When the disciples were in the middle of the lake, uh, they were facing very rough winds, very rough winds. And Jesus saw them because he was on the shore, he saw them. And then he began to miraculously walk on the lake. But they didn't recognize him. They didn't recognize him. So in addition to this frustration of dealing with the wind, eh, these disciples were really trying to get the boat to move and they were really frustrated. They see someone walking on water who they don't recognize. It was terrifying. I want you to imagine you're in that situation. You know, we, we've read the story, so, and we know the story, so we can know, okay, this is Jesus. But, but you imagine you're in that situation. You're facing the wind, there's a storm, and then somebody's walking across the lake, and you're thinking, what? <laughs> Have I died and gone to heaven? You know, they, they thought it was a ghost, actually. That's what the Bible says. They thought it was a ghost. They were terrified. And even when Jesus identified himself, it is I, he said, they were still amazed. Why were they terrified? Why were they amazed? Well, the Bible says it's because their hearts were hardened. Their hearts were hardened. And they were, the hearts were hardened, the Bible says, because they did not consider a miracle that Jesus had just done the previous day, which was feeding of the 5,000 uh, with five loaves and two fishes. Five loaves and two fishes, feeding 5,000. You know, the, the thing about a hardened heart is that it's not sensitive to the things of God. And, and some of you may have experienced this. You know, you, you pray for something really hard. You're in a crisis, you pray for something, and then God comes through, and you're like, yeah, fantastic. And then two or three days, two or three weeks later, you completely forget about it. And the next thing on the agenda is, okay, now I have another crisis. And you're in the middle of that crisis. You forget that the last crisis, God actually delivered you from it. And then you panic, you worry. And then he delivers you from that one as well. And then you go on and on and on. 
And then when it comes to saying, okay, Lord, I thank you, and then you're calculating, but um, what are the good things? You know, Alex was very honest. If I look back in the last 365 years, he actually voiced a lot of what sometimes we struggle with. Um, it's good to sing the songs and so on, but sit down and actually count those blessings. Sometimes we struggle. In fact, a lot of times it's easier to count the crisis and the difficulties and the hardships that you're in than to look back and count our blessings. So, so we really need to search our hearts because the Bible describes that as a hardened heart, a heart that is not sensitive to the things of God. A hardened heart will not see God easily, even when he's working. This is why the disciples failed to see Jesus. Even when he's working, you panic, you worry. Because you have a hardened heart. A hardened heart will struggle because it's more focused on the circumstances that are going on around it than on God. And this was a disciple's problem. So even as we move into 2024, you are likely to face storms. Okay? You are likely to face storms. If you have a hardened heart, then you may fail to recognize God. You may fail to see him. You'll be terrified and even tempted to give up. But don't. Don't give up on God. The Bible says our hearts um, are, you know, when we turn to the Lord, when we focus on, remember all these good things that he's done to us, then we become sensitive to him, to his working. Consider the work that the Lord has done in your life up to now. Be deliberate. Last week, we talked about this word, consider. Think, be deliberate about thinking of what the Lord has done towards you, in you, around you, and that will help you to develop a very sensitive heart, a pure heart towards him. Another example, another area I want to share where the Bible really reveals the hearts of man is in the historical accounts of the kings of Israel and Judah. <clears throat> you know, if you read through the books of Kings, First Kings, Second Kings, First Chronicles, Second Kings, they really... Second Chronicles, they really give you an account of the history of uh, Israel, particularly concerning its rulers. Each of their lives is summarized based on their heart or their attitude towards God. Irrespective of what these kings did, the Bible will summarize how their rule was based on how they related to God, how their heart was towards God. There are those who, sought the, who set their hearts to seek the Lord, people like King Jehoshaphat, King like, people like King Uzziah, it says, they, you know, these people really basically enjoyed the favor of God. And, and it's not that they were perfect. They were not perfect. If you examine their lives, they were not perfect. But the Bible says they set their hearts to seek the Lord. And so they were considered good rulers. And they, the land enjoyed rest because of the fact that they were good rulers who set their hearts to seek the Lord. And then there are others who did not set their hearts to seek the Lord. They did not prepare their hearts to seek the Lord, like King Rehoboam, uh, people like King Asa. It says, because they did not set their hearts to seek the Lord, they did evil in the sight of the Lord. And then there are others who are like half-half, eh? like, like King Solomon. He started well initially, and he sought the Lord. He got all this wisdom, and then as he became advanced in years. His many wives turned his heart away from God to other gods. King Amaziah, he did right in the sight of the Lord, and then it says, but not with a whole heart. You, you do some things right, but not with a whole heart. It's not wholeheartedly. So, so when you read these accounts of the kings, it's very interesting because at the end of every rule, you know, whenever the king would die, the, the, the Bible would basically give a brief summary about them and talk about the condition of their hearts, how they related to God, um, and, and um, either directly or indirectly. So it's, it's really interesting the way it does that. You know, the one thing about these rulers, when I remember going, one time I was really 
studying these, 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 these rulers, one thing about them is that every single one of them did things. It's not as if they were idle. They did things. Um, some of them accomplished great things, actually, in the eyes of those around them. But what about in the eyes of God? What about in the eyes of God? How sensitive were they to the things of God? How serious were they about pursuing the Lord? So this, this deferred. And the lesson here is, is that it is possible, even as you go into 2024, to accomplish and to do many of the things that you, 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 that you, you, you have goals for. It's possible to do it and yet not have a heart that is sold out on God. So some of the things we discussed, you know, start a new exercise regime, start a new job, complete a course, um, give generously to ministry, and all these other things. It's actually possible to do all these things and yet not have a heart for God. So if you set out to accomplish these things, but your heart is not seeking on, on you're, not, you, you know, you're not setting your heart to seek the Lord, then I would suggest very humbly that you're aiming too low. You're really aiming too low. It will be vanity. It will be emptiness. You know, the interesting thing is that if you examine a lot of these external goals, even non-believers can accomplish them. Think about it. Um, starting, a career, starting a job, getting married, um, you know, getting on an exercise regime, all these things, you know, non-believers can do it. Uh, and they can do it without even praying about it. So, so there, is, there is much, much more that God has in store for us than just the outside or the outward accomplishments. These things are good, yes, and they, are, they bear witness um, that, that the Lord is working in us, but there is much, much more that the Lord has for us. So don't miss out. Don't miss out on what the Lord has in store for you. Otherwise, you'll end up like King Solomon. You get to the end of 2024, you look back, yes, you've accomplished all these things, but it's vanity, it's emptiness. That's a sad story. So, <clears throat> how do we set our hearts to seek the Lord? How do I set my heart to seek the Lord? Well, first of all, the Lord is not exactly hiding from us, okay? So, he reveals to us how we can seek him. And the very first thing is really to commit your life to the Lord. Um, and I talked earlier about this, you, you know, Someone who is not a believer or who is not committed to the Lord, you have a heart that is deceptive. You need to break it and come to the Lord and get a new heart. So if you've not already done so, this is the greatest thing that you can do in 2024. Believe in your heart that Jesus died for you. Believe that he was raised with you. Get saved, get born again. That's the greatest decision you can ever make for 2024. And it's the first step to really setting your hearts to seeking the Lord. Now, when you do this, you are born again spiritually. And God promises every single person who is born spiritually that they receive a new heart. You are under a new covenant, so you have a new heart and a new spirit. Now, the rest of your life is really about yielding this heart, this new heart to the Lord, to be shaped by him, um, fixing your, your mind and your heart on God to make sure that he shapes this heart, um, set it on the things of God. So I want us to go to a passage, and there are many passages like this that tell us about how to set our hearts, but this passage uh, I think is very, very helpful in the Bible. Colossians chapter 3. Let's go to Colossians chapter 3. Um, and we're going to work our way through from verse 1 up to verse 17. 
um, and we'll sort of emphasize some points as we go along. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to 17. How do I set my heart to seek the Lord? Aha, okay, we're we there. So it started by saying, if you have been raised with Christ, so this is now talking to believers, you have been raised with Christ. So you have made a commitment. Jesus is the Lord of your life. If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind or your hearts. Okay, there are slight differences, but for purposes of this uh, sermon, let's just look at them as one. Set your minds or hearts on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. And as I mentioned earlier, it's really about getting our minds, our hearts fixed on the things of God, like cement. I want you to take away this, to go, to go with this image of cement setting. Fix your eyes uh, on the things of God. Okay, so solidify and harden yourself around the things of God. Verse 3, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. So that's where your life is, it's hidden with Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So when you have Christ, you are living for him. You are living with him. When your heart is set on him, he reveals himself to you. And then the quality of your life becomes a thousand times better, more than a thousand times better than the quality of a life without Christ. And this is the major difference between believers and unbelievers. You see, on the outward, you could actually accomplish the same things. But for a believer, the quality of life is much, much better because you are in Christ. You have a life in Christ. You live based on the promises of Christ, based on what he has accomplished for you and what he is working in you. Okay, so that's important. We have a quality of life that is much, much better uh, when we actually set our minds and our lives on him. Our life is hidden with Christ. The next few verses tell us some practical ways to set our hearts to seek the Lord. And I want to emphasize that this is not about, just about changing our behavior. You know, God is not in the behavior modification business uh, or, or self-improvement business. It's really a heart issue. Verse 5, it says, put to death, very strong word, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Obviously, this doesn't mean that you kill yourself. Um, it's talking about the heart and the fact that we need to stop yielding our hearts to these wrong things. Okay, so verse 5, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Things like sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. So really running after stuff, running after possessions. On account of these things, wrath of God is coming. Verse 7, in these you too once walked. So talking about your old heart, you know, your old heart was really shaped after these things. These things, in, in these you too once walked when you are living in them, but now you must put them all away. Things like anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Don't lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. So this is about really how we reshape our, our new hearts. And it's not just talking about the practices, but about the heart. I want to emphasize that. It's about the heart, not just the external behavior. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. We human beings can be very, very interesting. Um, and I'm including myself, by the way. It is possible to have all these things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, hidden on the inside of you. 
and not say a word. Keep it hidden in your heart. It's possible to have all these things hidden in our hearts. So obviously, you and I don't want to do that. And we, you know, we need to be continuously asking the Holy Spirit to help us examine our hearts. Do a check in your heart once in a while. Psalms 139, verse 23 to 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there's any grievous, any, any, you know, any, anything that will, will, will grieve the Lord. See if there's any grievous way in me, and then lead me into the everlasting way, the, the way of life, the way that is godly. This is a very good prayer to really put on your, on your I don't know, dashboard or fridge or whatever it is. It's a powerful prayer. Notice, by the way, that this verse is written to believers. When we're talking about Colossians, these verses are written to believers. And it says two things. First of all, that, not all, that all believers are not perfect. We're really not perfect. We have a lot of stuff that we need to deal with in our new hearts. Our hearts are not perfect. And secondly, that we can put these things to death. We can put them to death. So don't let the enemy deceive you that I was born angry and therefore I will live angry. Uh, I was born as a gossiper. That is just the way I am. No, it says put them to death. Kill them. <laughs> okay, so we need to make sure that they don't take root in our hearts, they don't shape our hearts, and you really don't want to end up with an evil heart, an impure heart, a covetous heart. So really put them to death. Okay, so that's something to think about for this coming year. Put them to death. And instead, we need to set our hearts and fix our hearts on new things, new things, on godly things. So this is what verse 12 onwards says. Put, the, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, so this is talking about our identity, God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, speaking about who we are in Christ. You may not be perfect, yes. You're not yet there, yes. But when you have a new heart, when you've received this new heart, God considered you chosen, holy and beloved. And knowing this can help you really establish your hearts in the right place. Okay, so put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Compassionate hearts are loving hearts. Um, hearts that really um, seek after the love of the Lord. You know, you're receiving the love of the Lord and you're giving him back love. You're loving him. So uh, put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. That is kindness, humility, meekness, patience. Let these things be your everyday experience. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against, one an, against someone else, forgive one another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. Okay? And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together. So our hearts really must be established in love. And then the last three verses, these next three verses, identify... Um, the key things, the things that I think are very important as far as our new hearts are concerned. And like I said, you know, these things need to be hanged on your kitchen wall or your fridge or your dashboard or wherever it is that you normally put these little reminders, even your profile page. And there are three things that are highlighted. The first one is to let the peace of God rule in your heart. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. And this is referring to that supernatural peace that comes from Christ. It's called the shalom peace of God. You know, it's not just about the fact that you don't have problems, or you, you're, not in a, you know, you're not in conflict, or you don't have issues. That's not the shalom peace. It's not about absence of problems. 
The shalom peace of God is about having stability and calmness and wellness when you're assured, because you're assured of the power of God working in you and working on your behalf. That's the shalom peace. That is the shalom peace. You're assured of God's power. You're sure of God's presence. So even if the storms are raging around you, you just have this supernatural peace. Let that peace rule in your heart. Uh, John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus was talking to his disciples when he was just about to leave them and die on the cross. He said to them, peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. You know, the world gives peace that is very conditional, very temporary, um, and, you know, very fragile. It's not that kind of peace that God gives us. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So this year, make it your goal to let the peace of God rule in your heart. John 14, 27. Secondly, let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Notice that the word of God should dwell in you richly, in your hearts richly, not just in your head and not poorly. Okay, it's very specific. The word of Christ, by the way, is the good news about Jesus Christ. And um, when Irene came up here and talked about, you know, the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's very, very key. It's the good news about Jesus Christ. When we preach it, when we demonstrate it, when we live it, it comes alive. It comes alive. So let this word dwell in you, the word of Christ dwell in you. Um, when you search the lives of godly men and women in Scripture who finished well, the one thing that they all had in common is they valued the word of the Lord. They valued the word of God. They paid attention to his word and were very diligent about it. When King David sinned by committing adultery and murder, God's biggest issue with King David was the fact that David despised God's word in that moment. Yes, there was adultery. Yes, there was the murder. But he tells David, he says, you have despised my word to do evil. At least twice in that narrative when he confronts David through prophet Nathan. You have despised my word to do evil. Despising the word of God is not necessarily hating it. Of course, yes, that can include it. But it's, it's more than that. It's really about having a low opinion or a low value of the word of God. What is your attitude towards the word of God? King David did repent of this, thing, of this sin, and then he went on to value the word of God. So much so that he wrote, you know, Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible, which is really just dedicated to the value of the word of God. One of Jesus' well-known parables is the parable of the sower, which shows us about how the word of God works inside of us, in our hearts. And some of you remember the demonstration that Alistair did. You know, he brought this pot. Can you remember? <laughs> and he got us to plant seeds. <laughs> Um, it was a very interesting demonstration. It really talked about how the word of God, when it is implanted in your heart, how it actually germinates and grows. Well, this, the parable of this seed, base, of, the, of, of the sower, is really exactly the same. It's about seed sown in different kinds of soil. Different kinds of soil are the different kinds of hearts that we have. And each soil represents a condition of a heart. The most fruitful heart, interestingly enough, that's the fourth one. The most fruitful heart is the one that didn't have anything in it. 
They were no thieves to steal the word or the seed. They were no thorns to choke the seed. They were no rocks to limit the seed. That seed dwelt richly in the soil. And this tells us that we need to be very careful about the kind of traffic that moves in our hearts. What goes on through your heart? What do you expose your heart to? Because your success or your failure in the eyes of God de depends on what is going through your heart. Guard your heart with all vigilance. Because out of it flow the issues of life, is one of the Proverbs. Okay? So let the peace of God dwell in your hearts, or rule in your hearts. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And then the last one, develop a thankful and worshipful heart. That's um, going on to verse 16, still continue verse 16. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. You know, there's a reason why we really start the service with music and singing and worship. And I hope we don't leave the music and the singing, we leave the instruments here, but, but you have a vocal um, instrument that goes with you everywhere, everywhere. So learn to sing a new song, learn to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs when you're washing the dishes, washing the clothes, um, when you're sort of walking and you're going to the taxi park or whatever. Learn to sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs um, with thanksgiving in your heart. Whatever you do in word or deed in the year 2024, that's verse 17, whatever you do in, the, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of Jesus Christ, in, uh, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So at least three times in these last verses, it tells us be thankful, be thankful, live in a state of thanksgiving, and our hearts should be hearts that are thankful. You know, it is possible to have a thankful heart, just as it's possible to have a critical heart or a bitter heart. I don't know if you've met someone who has a critical heart and a bitter heart. No matter what the situation, they will find something to criticize. <laughs> Somebody's heard that. You know, you point to the moon, they will criticize it. You point to the government, they will criticize. You point to your new shoes, they will criticize them. You point to anything, they will criticize. It's, it's really, it's a dominant thing. So just as you can have someone with a critical heart, you can also have someone with a thankful heart. With a thankful heart. You can thank the Lord. You can actually live in a situation where you are thanking the Lord no matter what the situation. So you point to the moon, you have something to thank God about. You point to the government, you have something to thank God about. You point to your shoes, you have something to thank God about. A thankful heart, no matter what the circumstances. A thankful heart, by the way, has several benefits, and God knows us very well. This is why he asks us to have a thankful heart. It has several benefits. First of all, it reduces a lot of the negative emotions around you. You know, people are always throwing things at you. So it reduces that negativity. Um, one time I was in a taxi, and um, uh, I know we're over time, but just give me about two, three minutes, we'll be finishing. One time I was in a taxi, and we were driving along somewhere, and this passenger, was anyway, he had a very unthankful heart and very critical heart. I mean, he gave the, the conductor uh, 5,000 shillings. And so the conductor was counting his change. And this guy really told him off. Um, you know, the passenger really told him off. He said, I have given you a new note. I want new notes. I don't want old notes. And initially, we thought it was a joke. But he held back the taxi for almost five minutes. We stood there because the guy was very adamant. 
don't give me dirty notes. And he went into all sorts of, you know, abuse and whatever. And the poor conductor, I mean, <laughs> he struggled to get new notes, you know. So, so this, this kind of heart, it's a heart you encounter, you know, negative emotions. By the time you even go home, you're like, hey, okay, I had a taxi ride, but, you know, it remains in you. So if you don't know how to do a quick turnaround and do a thankful heart, thank you, Lord, that the taxi came from A to B and, you know, we arrived safely, there was no accidents. Thank you, Lord. If we don't have that heart, we can inject all this negativity in our hearts. So it reduces negative emotions around us. It results in improved relationships. I always like to be around people who are thankful, and I'm sure you do too. It improves health, by the way. It does improve health. If you have a thankful heart, like we said earlier, a joyful heart does good like good medicine. It does good like medicine. You have less stress. You sleep better. Um, and all these are really part of the abundant life, the rich, abundant life that God has for you. So be thankful in this year of 2024. Amen? So as I conclude, setting your heart to seek the Lord is not something that you do by yourself. You don't like strive and struggle and strain to do it. It's really not about exerting very hard effort. God has to be involved. You cannot afford to isolate God. God has to be involved from the beginning to the end. First of all, like I said, he's the one who gives us a new heart, and he does this when we get born again. So if you're here and you've never been born again, when we finish the service, come forward. We can pray with you. We can lead you into that. It's really the first and greatest step you'll ever make in 2024. Then secondly, if you have made Jesus the Lord of your life, make it a point this year, even as you settle into these resolutions that you've made, make it a point this year to yield your heart to the Lord. Let him work in your heart. Involve him in every area of your life. The word of God promises that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Amen? Amen. So that's what I have for today. Amen. Yes, let's give him a hand. And let's rise up. Let's just praise him for um, starting us off well with his rich words. Hallelujah. Thank you, mighty Father. Thank you, Jesus, for this word in due season. Hallelujah. Just examine your hearts uh, for a few seconds. Examine your hearts for a few seconds and just yield them to the Lord. Just, just make this commitment to yield them to the Lord for this year and beyond. Hallelujah. Father, our desire is to trust in you with all our hearts and not to lean on our own understanding. We want to acknowledge you, to involve you, to have you work with us in everything that we do for the rest of this year. And we, we yield ourselves that you may direct our paths. Father, thank you for this word. And thank you for giving us a new heart. Help us to mold it and set it according to your ways. Help us to seek you wholeheartedly. 
for this is our desire. Amen and amen. So as the worship team um, finishes with one last song, um, just prayerfully consider what has been said. Um, if you need prayer, uh, we are available. If there's something that has touched you and you want to pray about it, we are available. Um, but otherwise, we just bless you and really wish the best for you for this coming year, 2024. May it be a prosperous year. May you prosper in your spirit, your soul, and your body. May God give you your heart's desires, as was said earlier. In Jesus' name, amen.